Good morning. My name is Margarita, and I'll be reading our scripture verse our passage this morning. And it comes from the book of John, chapter 20, verses 30 through chapter 21, verse 19. And our translation is from the New Living Translation. Dear God, I pray that our hearts and minds will be opened as we read this passage. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. The word of the Lord. Ministry of InterVarsity in Washington and Oregon, uh, Alaska, and uh, in northern Idaho. And one of the things I love about what I get to do is I love to see how God shows up in students' lives. How God shows up, how, like the way he, God shows up in scripture, God shows up in students' lives so creatively, so persistently, and so powerfully. Uh, if you were around last week, uh, you might see me up here. I was the sub. Uh, Pastor Magdiel was uh, ill, and so I got a call last minute and uh, asked if I would lead their prayer in um, reflection time from chapter 21 of the Gospel of John. And so as I was preparing for this sermon today, I thought, well, why don't we just continue on? It was so fun to read that section. Why don't we continue on to chapter 21? Um, but just to start, here's a little context. Last week we meditated on some really intimate and powerful stories of Jesus interacting with his disciples after his resurrection. In John chapter 20, we start with Mary Magdalene. On that Easter morning, that first Easter morning, she came weeping, grief-stricken. She came to the tomb, and between her tears she peered in, and she looked into the tomb that was open. And she saw two people inside. They were actually angels. And they asked her, Woman, what are you, why are you crying? And they, she says, They have taken away my Lord. And she turns and sees another person. A person she thinks is the gardener. And she, and she turns and says to, to the gardener emphatically, Tell me where you put him. But it's Jesus. And Jesus says, calls out, Mary, Mary. And Mary jumps and clings to Jesus, never wanting to lose him again. And Jesus says, let go and go tell the others. Jesus empowers her to be the first evangelist of the resurrection. Go and tell others that I've been, I've back, back from the dead. I love this story because it's so personal. Mary feels like she has lost Jesus, that Jesus has been taken from her. And what does Jesus do? He appears to her, calls her by name, and shows her that you will never lose me. I will never lose you. And then the next scene, we see the disciples. I love this scene. The disciples are gripped with fear, and they have locked themselves in a room. Probably the same room they had a meal with Jesus just recently. And they are in serious lockdown. They have locked the doors, they've shut themselves in, and they are just in that space full of fear and anxiety. And Jesus comes walking through the walls and the locked doors, and he comes in and he says, Peace. 
And there's this calm. Just like he said peace when there was a storm and the storm stopped. Just like he promised, he said peace, like a peace that the world cannot offer. I offer you this peace. A promise that he had given them just a week ago, a few days ago. He came to that very room and said peace. And then he breathed on them. Just like in creation, he breathed. And all that chaos order was restored. And then he said, receive the Holy Spirit. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. And the indwelling of the Holy Spirit came upon them. The disciples who started as full of fear and in lockdown experienced peace and Jesus' indwelling presence. And then as we move on to the last story in chapter 20, there's this last disciple, Thomas, right? And Thomas missed all this. He was out getting milk, honey, hummus, bread. I don't know, whatever you go to the store and get uh, in first century Palestine. But he was out and he missed it. And so the rest of them tell him, you missed it? Jesus came and showed up. And he's like, nah, I don't know. I don't think I believe you. Until I see for myself, I don't believe you. And so what does Jesus do? A week later, Jesus shows up and says, Thomas, come here. Let me show you my hands, my nail-pierced hands, and my punctured side that bled and died for you. Jesus, who has conquered death, who has vanquished the power of sin, who has reordered the trajectory of all of creation, what does he do post-resurrection? He shows up to people who need to see him in a new and fresh way. He shows up to people in a personal, tangible way. He comes and calls them by name. He shows up. He brings peace and power and indwells them with the Holy Spirit. And at the end of chapter 20, it says, uh, it, John seems like he's ending his gospel like this. The disciples saw Jesus do many other things, miraculous signs, in addition to the ones recorded in this book. I'll finish the rest of that. But, uh, but these are written so that you may know, you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. Right? This is the conclusion. This is the conclusion of, of John's gospel. Right? And if we were like the first century listeners of the Gospel of John, we would be like, oh, okay, sermon over, right? It's time for the amens. Worship team's coming up, right? Time for benediction, right? It's time to go grab coffee and donuts, right? Or maybe in our day and age, hand sanitizer and fist bumps, right? Or, or for those online, uh, click disconnect from Zoom or whatever, right? Service is over. It's done, right? But the crazy story is, it's not done. It's not done. And just like in the Marvel movies, you have to wait for the end, right? Just like in the Marvel movies of the post-credit scene, if you get up from the movie too early, you miss it. You miss what Jesus is up to, right? If you leave the service now, you'll miss out. It's not done. The story is not done. Jesus is not done. There is more. There's more to the story. Jesus is not done with his disciples, and he's not done with us. Amen? Amen. So we have chapter 21. It begins with one word. Later. Later. Dot, dot, dot. Right? Just imagine that's, the, that's like the cut, cut scene at the end of the, the credit rolls. It says later. Later, Jesus appears again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. How much later? 
We don't know. It doesn't tell us how much later. I'm guessing somewhere within 50 days. Only because Pentecost is the next thing that happens and Pentecost is 50 days from Passover. So, you know, somewhere in there, right? But again, Jesus shows up because his people are in need because they are lost and confused and depressed. They need to see and experience Jesus again in a personal and tangible way. In this story, Jesus shows up by a sea of Galilee because Peter has gone fishing. Right? Peter has gone back to fishing. Now, I just want to be clear to you, when sometimes when I've read the story, I'm like, oh, Peter gone fishing. Right? It's like this recreational activity. It's like a hobby on the side. Right? Um, just to be clear, this is not recreational fishing. This is not a pole and a six-pack, right, to go and catch some fish. Right? This is commercial fishing. This is, it requires lots of work. It, it, these are nets and dredging of boats. Um, and it's not a one-person operation. There's actually a crew that takes to do this kind of fishing. And the text tells us seven people went with Peter, or seven of them in total went fishing. Peter says, I'm going fishing, and they're like, we'll come with you. What is going on in this story? What is going on for Peter and these disciples? Right? They have seen the risen Lord. He died and rose from the dead. The Lord Jesus came and breathed on them and indwelled them with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is in them. The Spirit that brings life from death. The Spirit of God that is the glory of God. You remember in the Old Testament where the Shekinah glory in the temple of God dwells? That now dwells in them. The glory of God is now in them. And God, Jesus has also commissioned them to go. Go and forgive sins. It's the last thing he says to them in chapter 20. Right? Go. You've been commissioned to go release those who are trapped in sin and death. Those who are trapped in shame and guilt, in addiction and despair, in anxiety and fear, in hopelessness and dread. And what happened? They're fishing. What happened? Later, dot, 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 happened. Later. Later is that time between the benediction and the next Sunday later happens. Life happens in those spaces. And as much as I want to be harsh with all these disciples of Peter, I know this all too well. How about you? Has later happened to you? What has happened to you this week that has caused you to forget your commission, your call, the presence of the Lord? Maybe the disciples have felt the reality that they were part of this incredible ministry for three years. And now it's all gone. Gone. Right? I mean, literally, their leader was canceled and crucified. Right? Now they're living in fear of the government, of the religious establishment, of their own community. Maybe it was more personal. Maybe Peter is grappling with his own failures. He did deny Jesus. He denied any association or relationship with Jesus. The disciples, in Jesus' moment of need, all abandoned him. How can they represent Jesus? How long is later? It's long enough. Long enough for, for Peter to feel dis discouraged, to feel disconnected from Jesus. Long enough to have lost the rush of ministry excitement. Long enough start to believe lies about himself. And maybe it's less grand than this. Maybe it's even more kind of everyday. I don't know. Maybe Peter 
And these guys just had a hard conversation that week with someone, and it just hit them spinning. Have you ever had one of those? Maybe, maybe they got a really annoying first century version of an email from someone, and it just took them emotionally out. Maybe they heard through the village gossip mill, right, the first century Instagram feed, that one of their friends is just killing it in their career, right? They're just phenomenal fishermen or carpenters or whatever they might be doing, right? And they're wondering, what am I doing with my life, right? Last Friday, I was writing a sermon at my desk, typing away, and I got this email. And after I read that email, I was like, I want to go fishing. I am so done. I am so done with this ministry thing. I mean, I know. I know people are made in God's image. But some days, some days it's really hard to tell. Right? And I wanted to go fishing. I wanted to be done with this. And I was looking for anyone else who wants to come with me. Right? Uh, and if you ever see me wandering around town at a donut shop, that means something bad has happened. <laughs> if I'm just sitting in a donut shop eating a dozen donuts by myself, and I tell you a lie like these are for students, it's, not a, it's a lie, right? <laughs> I'm just sitting there eating donuts. Uh, or if you find me wandering aimlessly around the aisles of Staples, that's time for intervention. Those are my two escape places. I don't know about you, but those are the places where I'm, I'm done. I'm going to go to the donut shop or I'm going to the Staples because Staples is this amazing place where things are orderly and things are fixable and you need something, you can fix it. You want something, it's there. It's so easy. It's not like ministry where nothing's ever fixable, right? But it's, those are the places you'll find me fishing. Later, later could be lots of things. What is it for you? Is it a global pandemic? Is it a national reckoning around our personal and institutional complicity and injustice towards women, people of color, sexual minorities? The list goes on and on. Maybe you after that, you've said, forget it. I'm going fishing. I'm done with all this. I've known many, many of my friends in the last few years have said, forget it. I'm done with this. I'm done with the church. I'm done with these people. I'm going to find a new tribe. I'm going to wander aimlessly by myself. They're done. Again and again, in the last few years, I've heard story after story the pandemic just wiping out all ministries. Churches empty, pews empty, crowds are gone. The online counters keep ticking down and down and down. There's less and less views. I have so many friends who are like, I'm, I'm done with the pastorate. I'm going to go do something else. I'm done with all this. They've gone fishing. And I get it. I get it. But the good news the good news, my friends, is that Jesus finds us in that later. The good news is that Jesus doesn't leave us there, but he comes and finds us. That we may think the story is over, that the benediction has been given and the worship band is singing us out, but the story is not over. And Jesus finds us in that post-credit scene. He finds us. Where is Jesus finding you this morning? As we look at chapter 21, um, there's a little accident here. I, I meant for the whole story to be put, and I think they just put the first verse and the last verse, but there's a whole 
19 verses in between there. So I apologize. I, uh, I will tell you the story. So uh, in chapter 21, Jesus finds the disciples fishing. Not only, does it, not only does he go and find them, he reminds them of who he is and his relationship with him, right? He goes out and he finds them out there and he says, friends, have you caught anything? And I wonder if they're like, oh, I think I've heard this before somewhere. And they're like, no, we've been fishing all night. We haven't caught anything. I wonder if that sounds familiar. And then, and then the voice from the shore says, well, put your net on the other side and see what happens. And I wonder again, oh, that sounds somehow familiar. Have I heard this before? And then they put their nets out, and all of a sudden there's all these fish that just jump into their net, right? And it's almost so much that it's about to break the net. And then they realize, oh, right, the beloved the, John, the, John the disciple says, it is the Lord. It is the Lord. It finally clicks. It's the Lord. And Peter's like, it's the Lord. And he jumps out, uh, out of the boat and swims to shore to meet Jesus. I wonder for us, how is Jesus reminding you today of your deep and personal connection with him? Is he reenacting something for you to remember who he is and um, your experience with him? Right? Have you heard or seen or felt something that makes your soul exclaim, it is the Lord. It is the Lord. I don't know. Maybe the Lord has reminded you of that first verse you ever read or that first Bible story that you heard or that first prayer you gave and you're like, that is the Lord. That's when the Lord met me. Maybe it was a miraculous event in your life that is undeniably the Lord's hand. That could be nothing else but God's presence. Maybe it was a tender moment where Jesus appeared when your world was falling apart. Maybe. For me, I, um, those it is the Lord moments happen every now and then. The other day, I was, uh, I, I, I listen to Spotify, they just plays stuff, and, and sometimes uh, it'll go through and I'll start playing some hymns. And, and every time I hear a hymn, uh, instinctually, I will start to remember hearing hymns growing up, uh, growing up in the immigrant Taiwanese church, and, and my, these, these folks singing hymns in Taiwanese, um, and I would just start bawling, because I remember these people and how God, how good God was to me and my family and to our peoples. They sing of amazing grace. Right? They sing, take my life and let it be. They sing, blessed assurance. These immigrants in a foreign land who experience all this trauma and anguish, they sing these hymns, they sing out to the Lord. I remember God's faithfulness. And every time I hear hymns, I just instinctively start to bawl. Because um, I remember it is the Lord. It is the Lord who has cared for me and my family for generation after generation. A few months ago, uh, I was invited to speak at this, at this conference, uh, at this gathering. It was the first conference of students in two years. And I was invited to speak because all the other people fell through. So I was like the last person they called. So, so and, uh, and it was just, it was a minimal time. So I just wanted to say it wasn't because I was amazing. It's because everyone else said no. Uh, so, uh, and I got the call and they're like, okay, so can you come on this day and, and give this talk? And I'm like, okay, what do you want me to say? And they're like, well, we're helping, want students to understand the Holy Spirit. 
and the gifts of the Spirit. And can you do that in 20 minutes or less? Sure. Yeah, that sounds great. And I said, well, what do they know about either of that? They're like, well, nothing really, but you know, right? And so I was like, okay, yeah, I want to serve students. And I, I showed up, and, then, and I felt the Lord say, like, like he said to them, put the nets out again. He said, the Lord said to me, at the end of this talk, whatever you say, whatever random things you say, invite people to consider giving their life to Jesus. And I thought to myself, no, 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 no. This is not one of those talks. This is not one of those times that you do that kind of thing. Right? I got 20 minutes. I'm trying to explain some things. These people haven't been together in a really long time. And I just remember the Lord saying, put your nets out again. Put your nets out again. So at the end of my random talk about the Holy Spirit, um, I just asked, I wonder if there's folks here today who have never given their life to Jesus and want to know more about this Jesus, this Holy Spirit that wants to indwell in them. I wonder. Several people made faith decisions. Two people made first-time decisions. A handful of others recommitted their lives. It was like the nets filled, and I was just like, this is crazy. And then the Lord reminded me, it is I. It is the Lord at work. It's not you and your mumbling or the right time. I get to choose that, not you. Jesus finds us in the later. Jesus reminds us of his goodness and presence. And the next thing in the story, Jesus dines and feeds us, right? After, he's, after the disciples pull in the fish and, and Peter swims out, they get there and Jesus has a meal for them, has a charcoal fire and fish on the grill. Uh, and he says to them, come and eat. Bring some of your fish and come and eat. And that's eat together. I love this scene. Jesus prepares a meal for them. He invites them into relationship and feeds them, right? I love this meal because I think it's so Asian, <laughs> right? Food, right? This is how you communicate everything, right? Food is the, is the unspoken way of saying, I love you. I want to be in relationship with you, right? I don't know how many times that food is the place you gather to build and rebuild relationships. If things have been broken and broken, you come back and you have a meal. Right? I spent a lot of time during the pandemic watching Korean dramas on Netflix and Taiwanese dramas, and uh, they're always eating. They eat so much. And those people are twigs. I don't know how it is, but they're always eating. They eat, they eat, they eat, because that's what it means to be together, to build friendships. It's, it communicates, communicates not through words, but food, that you are loved and you're wanted here. Communicates, that's being a relationship. I think cooking is one of the greatest signs of love that you can offer. My Old Testament professor used to say, eating together is the second most intimate thing that people did in the ancient world. Right? Eating together. Jesus invites, come and eat come and eat. A few uh, months ago, or about a month ago, I actually went to L.A. Uh, that's where I'm from. And uh, I went to L.A. for a conference. And it was a week-long conference. And I came in a day earlier because my folks live there. They still live there. And so I flew in a day earlier to hang out with my, my parents. And um, they came and got me from the airport. And then they just 
basically just fed me for 24 hours, right? And they just, they're like, okay, so we get in the car, and they're like, what do you want to eat? And I was like, I don't know. And so then we're eating something, and they're like, so what do you want for dinner now? Right, I'm like, I'm just eating lunch, right? I was like, what do you want for dinner, right? And then dinner's over, and it's like, oh, what, what do you want for snacks, right? And then so it just kept going on, meal after meal. They just kept feeding me. And, uh, and I just loved it, because I, they just wanted to feed me. They, they had no other expectation of me. And I put that in contrast to this conference I was going to, where I needed to be prepared to lead and to serve and to be all these things to all these people. But for 24 hours, I was with my folks, and they all just said, just let me feed you. Let me love on you. Right? And I remember before I got out, of the, they actually dropped me off at this conference. I felt like a little kid, like they dropped me off at camp. Right? They literally dropped me off at camp, and my mom said to me, you're going to be there for a whole week. Do you need me to do your laundry? Are you going to have enough clean clothes? I'm like, Mom, I'm 47 years old. I have a family. I have clean clothes. But I was like, oh, my God. Yes, I want you to do my laundry. I felt so loved, right? She didn't do my laundry. I didn't need her to do my laundry. But just the feeling of, come, let me serve you. I want to be in a relationship. I want to care for you. I felt so loved, especially in contrast to having to show up to lead and serve others. And I know, you all know, that as an adult, Yes, you get to be who you are, but you have to show up and lead and put aside some of who you are to serve others. And it's sometimes nice just to be fed. It's nice to be, just come and be who you are. That was, a, that was an incredible picture of God's kindness and love to me. This week, Jess, my wife, uh, was on a trip to Atlanta, and uh, she had reached out to a, a friend of ours, a mentor of ours, uh, who lives in Atlanta, and said, I'm going to be in town. Uh, do you have some time? And, and, and this, this, this person who's our elder, uh, this wonderful man, said, yes, I'll meet you wherever you are in Atlanta, and I'll find you. And she met with Jess, uh, he met with Jess, uh, and hung out for two hours. And she told me about that time, just how welcome and warm. He came, sat, gave her gifts, and listened to her story. And I asked, like, so did he tell you much about himself? It's like, well, a little bit, but he wouldn't let me talk until he let me uh, ask him questions until he finished asking me about me, right? For a whole, the whole time, it's like, he just wanted to know about me as opposed to me asking about them. Have you ever been in a conversation like that? I know sometimes it's like, oh, I feel like I have to ask a lot of questions. Where someone just wants to know about you, and you feel so loved and welcome. Jesus finds us. Jesus reminds us. And Jesus fe feeds us and dines us and wants to be in a relationship with us. How might Jesus be inviting you back into a relationship with him this morning? How might he be saying, come eat? In Taiwanese, that phrase, come eat, is japeng, japeng, which actually just literally translates to eat rice. That's, that's the phrase. Eat rice means come eat. Eat rice, right? And the invitation this morning is, how is the Lord inviting you? Japeng, eat some rice. I know for all you carb haters out there, it's hard, but you know. <laughs> eat rice. And not only does Jesus find us in that later, remind us of his goodness and love for us and they just want to be with us and be in a relationship with us but he also sends us out from that place at the end of that story um, at the end of that story in that meal Jesus turns to Peter 
and has this conversation with Peter about, about love. Do you love me? And about these sheep. Will you feed my sheep? And if you know the story, there's like a thousand sermons about this story and about the Greek words for love or sheep or tend. And, uh, and that's great. Uh, but we don't have time for all that this morning. And I'm not good enough in Greek to talk about that. So we're just going to put that aside. Uh, but I think what stood out to me as I was reading at this time is that Jesus invites Peter again and sends him out. Sends him out. Feed my sheep. Would you go and invite others back into a relationship with me? And I'm sure Peter's wondering, how do I do that? And I, I think Jesus has given him a model how to do this. Go find people. Go remind them of how good I am to them. Feed them. Invite them. Have extravagant hospitality towards them. And empower them to go do that with others. Right? Find them in their later. Find them wherever they have may have wandered. Find them as far as they have gone. Wherever they have may ended up, in a donut shop or at Staples or whatever old place they may end up, find them. Remind them through God, uh, about God, through word and deed, how much God loves them. All right. I love that the Old Testament is full of the word remember. Remember, remember. Remind them of God's goodness. Remember God's goodness. And feed and invite them back into relationship. Extend extravagant hospitality. Invite them. Welcome back. And then power that do that with others. Um, I, um, I've been trying to figure out how to do this in my own life. And uh, one way that I've been doing this is uh, about six months ago, before, actually about nine months ago before I came here to renew, I was on sabbatical for, for six months. Actually, that's actually how I reconnected with Pastor Dave. I was on sabbatical. I was like, oh, I want to hang out with some other middle-aged Asian men who are in ministry. And so I, oh yeah, Pastor Dave. And so, uh, so I reached out to him and we were hanging out. Um, but during my sabbatical, uh, one of the things I, I, God reminded me of was how much I love food. Uh, obviously you can tell I love food. Uh, how, much, uh, how much I love Taiwanese food. And I'm like, I want to learn how to cook all that food that I grew, grew up eating. Um, and God has said, why don't you do that and feed people and remind them of the extravagance. And so I've been trying to do that in, in different people's lives. Um, so uh, I have a friend whose uh, spouse has passed. Actually, yesterday was their one-year uh, memorial of their spouse's passing. And this past year, it's been about me trying to f cook them food because uh, they told me that's the thing they, one of the things they miss the most about their spouse is having meals cooked for them. Uh, so I want to be cooking uh, to remind them of God's presence in their life. Even though they're not a believer, they often tell me that there's something about some, he's like, he's like, I don't know, something spiritual is happening. Um, last week I was with my leadership team uh, and I was gathering them and they all feel like the later. They have all seen ministry diminish, hard things happen, the great resignation, people are choosing other things, and they're coming in tired. And they're just like, I don't know, Tim. Can we keep doing this? And I was like, well, let's come. And I just remember making them this big meal. Be like, let's just eat. And remember that's God's good. 
and let's just study this passage together. And let's just pray and be together. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know what God will do. I don't know how he will fill the nets. But let's just be, and be welcomed back into relationship with Jesus and sit in that. And we'll see what the Lord does. Right? We'll see what the Lord does. So as I, as I end my preaching here today, I just want to give us some time to reflect. Um, most of you have had incredible experiences, powerful experiences with Jesus. Most of you have been empowered to share with others. But where do you find yourself today? Where do you find yourself this morning? Where do you find yourself in this later? Where is Jesus finding you this morning? And wherever it is, it's okay. If the Jesus who would die for you and then descend into the depths of hell for you, there is no place he will not go to find you wherever you might be this morning. And when he finds you, he will remind you how much he loves you. Where is Jesus calling out to you from the shore this morning? What is he saying? What is he saying to you? How is he reminding you of his deep love for you? And how are you experiencing his gracious invitation? Come, be with me, eat with me. And lastly, I wonder, maybe for some of us, who was Jesus putting on your mind to reach out to this week? Who might Jesus be putting on your mind? Who is, who's in that later place that needs to be found? Who is Jesus inviting you to come with me to go find that person? Who is that person the Lord might be putting on your heart to go reach out to this week? Would you take a few minutes to reflect on that? I'm going to pray to close. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you find us in the later, wherever that, whenever that is, you find us. You find us wherever we've wandered. You don't just leave us. You come and find us. And you remind us of your deep love for us. And then you lavish on us relationship and gifts and food and hospitality. And you ask us to join you again in going to find others who have wandered off. Would you be with us this morning, wherever we might be, and however you might be speaking to us? Thank you for this space. Amen.